Yeah, man. Western Conference Podcast, your boy Big Body Cisco here. And when I tell you guys I have a treat for y'all, it's not always, I'm not always not lying. But today I do have a treat for you guys because in the building, I have the legendary Kanishki in the room one time. How you doing, sir? Big Body Sumo in the house. <laughs> your one-stop sumo shop. Come on, see, and when I say that, when I say legendary, you already got to know. When they say Google me, <laughs> Google me for you is on a whole other level. Man, I'm so glad I'm here because uh, everybody, I've been watching your broadcast from um, from Japan and just happened I was on a tour, a West Coast tour just yes. a couple weeks, in three weeks I was on the road and I told you, man, I'm coming to Vegas and that's one good reason for the community. I wanted to jump on to just yeah. be part of this uh, this mission of you, all these Polynesians coming um, And I appreciate it too because the mission for us was to say everybody needs their story told. And uh, when I say that, you know, from the likes of Fiji, Jay Boog, and everybody out there, they know what they see on TV and what they see through everything else. But this is kind of more in depth. Yeah. And it really kind of got to me when Rich and Tone was here. And they were just <laughs> telling me, they said, dude, you have to get Konishki on the show. And it's funny because after that episode had aired, you had hit me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And you said, dude, I would love to do your show. And I'm like, no way. Mm. I was showing all my friends and stuff. Mm. I said, Konishki just hit me. Mm. But like for them to actually step outside their box, it's going to take us back. We're going to go start from the beginning. But yeah. to get those boys being in Japan, there was like, you were bigger than Michael Jackson out there. Well, when the, like my career started 40 years ago. Yeah. That's a good thing about being here. It's what a way to end up uh, the 222 years because celebrate 40 years, then coming to the West Coast with the sumo thing. And then being in Japan has, um, I got hooked up with everybody from the fighters yeah. to, to all the singers that came in. And then you have a rich and tone that came yeah. in, came down. And then even uh, Michael Jackson's bodyguards was yeah. also more guys. Yes, I yeah, was one of his. They his thought that they thought it was Michael Jackson in the yeah, lobby, yeah. but it was you. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it was in a crowd because I, I was talking to the, I knew the promoters that's yeah. why. And then I told him, yeah, just call me. He, he, I think he probably want to meet you. Yeah. So we went. So when we came to the hotel, everybody was outside. So they followed me into the yeah. hotel. <laughs> and then I saw those guys, Sully, I got to get up to the mic. To mic. And they go, and they go, oh, shit. We didn't know that was you. Yeah. Because they were was, tripping. Well, I was tripping when, if you go Google Kunishki and Michael Jackson, all these pictures come up. Yeah. But you guys had a relationship already before all this stuff was going on, right? When you first came, we met. Yeah. yeah. And then um, and then people that have ran his fan club in Japan yeah. is uh, the boy that, well, the man that runs, his son was like a son to me. Oh, wow. So you guys already had that relationship. Yeah, we had yeah. a relationship and stuff. So not only that, just people that came in, you know, they wanted to see sumo. And yeah. it just happened. I was the... The foreigner at the time, yeah, from uh, from Rocky Balboa to yeah, everybody was calling. Our last uh, celebrity two weeks or uh, two months ago was yeah. um, Stephen Curry, you know, and they uh, seem like they're really like he had the he had the uh, Konishki yeah, yeah. Uh, hoodie on yeah. Steph Curry because they're also amazed with the sport. But let's start there. Let's like like I said, I like to start mm. from the beginning. What got a kid like you from Hawaii? To even get involved with with sumo, it's funny because everybody laughed to my story. 18, yeah. 18 years old, nineteen eighty two. Yeah, a month before I graduated, I was actually cutting out of class. Yeah, and down in Hawaii. Was, yeah, in Hawaii, was yeah. surfing and stuff like that. And like you, you know, we come from big families. Yeah. I have a ten, 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 ten kids in my family, yeah. <laughs> and I was the second youngest in the family. So when it came to like a month before I graduated. Just happened, I was cutting class, and one of the guys who was renting boards in Waikiki yeah. stopped me over. He was an old man. He's very known, uh, what you call to the WWE. Yeah. He was like the WWE top of, he was a legend. Oh, wow. Curtis okay. Dabu, he was already in there. Curtis the Booyah okay, his name yeah. is. So the old man, hey, come here. I know you're number 79 on Pac-5. Because <laughs> he was playing football yeah, yeah, in Hawaii. Yeah, football, yeah. Pac-5. He said, you're number 79. You look like one of those grand champions. I thought, Uncle, bro, I don't know even nothing. Yeah. I know nothing about sumo, man. Yeah. No, you look like one of these. You can do a good 
good. Sit my down. Okay, uncle. Next day, we come back. We cut in class. He pulls me outside. Keeps on talking to me. And then the legend itself, the guy who's the, the pioneer of us, get, getting us foreigners, Jesse Takamiyama. Okay. Who's from Maui. Yeah. So he was coming to town. I knew who he was, but I didn't really know what he was. Yeah. I know he was a celebrity. Never met a celebrity. Um, and they asked me to come to the hotel. When he said hotel for free for lunch, I said, bro, I'm coming. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got to say nothing else. <laughs> yeah, just feed us, man. <laughs> we come. So that's where it all started. And then all I wanted to know, I asked him, but as long as I don't even burden my family. Financially, yeah. if you guys get me there and make sure that I don't have to call home for help and stuff like that, I'm, I'm gone. That same day, I just went and got my passport, got my... Got my visa on my own. My parents didn't know until a week I left. Oh, so you didn't tell them yet? No, I told them way before. What about your siblings? Did your siblings know nobody, that? Nobody something? knew. Yeah. Nobody. Even all my classmates are like yeah. freaking out. Like, well, even still to this day, like that's something, especially as a Polynesian kid, mm. that you don't really get asked to do. Um, you know, especially being in Hawaii, we're already known as big people. Yeah. But playing football was our thing, and that yeah, was yeah. it. For someone to come at you with a sumo, you know, opportunity, mm. how did that hit you as being a kid in Hawaii to say this might be something I could do, but you're not even knowing about what the sport is? Well, that's the best. That's the best advice you can have is know nothing about yeah. it, and just be open, open with um, the ideas and open with what's going to be hitting you. And yeah. that's the way I, I advise kids. I rather know nothing and go with an open heart, yeah. open heart, and and want to accept what's going to be coming. Yeah. Because that's that's the thing that really helped me because I didn't try to judge what I was going to go through. I didn't try like to to wear what's it would look like in Hawaii. Yeah. We you know Hawaii would it be this, it would it be that. I just went and my dad just told me, hey, you go to Japan, you got to be more Japanese than all the yeah. Japanese. And that's all it is. <laughs> no, absolutely. Accepting yeah. the culture and stuff like that. So when I went, you know, I went there, I went there blind for real. I, I didn't know. And nothing. what year was that you went to Japan? 1982, June 19th, I arrived in Japan. Wow, 1982. So you're talking about in the 80s. We're 80s. in the 80s going over there to Japan into a world that you know nothing about at the time. And everybody, too. Baby, people around me, no, yeah. they didn't know anything about sumo. You know, I didn't know anything yeah. about sumo. <laughs> it was always just like a joke. It's like, if, if we got bigger, you're like, oh, you look like you're a sumo wrestler. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we don't want to be that. But now, but it's now actually, it is. Exactly. Now it is. Yeah, you know, but so when I left, I left and, I, you know, and then the thing that inspired me and kept me going was when I left that day, man, and my mom just grabbed my shirt and said, don't go, man. And that's the first and the last word. My mom told me so. Yeah. I used that one scene, I pictured it as we speak now, to encourage me everything I do and every every day I wake up, I see her crying and yeah. pulling my shirt and telling me not to go. Yeah. So an eighteen year old kid, like over there, don't know how to react. All I all I told myself and don't ever cry in front of mom yeah. and dad, be strong. Make like, oh, Kanye, no yeah. worry. And then I was joking around because I was a clown. They knew me. Yeah. Like, so I was joking. I was like, no worry, mom. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And then walk into the plane. Bro. Exactly. I still remember that flight. All I knew is that when I got in there, I dropped to my, my head dropped down to my knees. And by the time I got up, I was in Tokyo. Yeah. I was I was, I was like, I, I told myself, what the hell yeah. did I just do? What the hell? And this, and so. That's a life, that's a game changer, yet a life changing moment for you because you're going in there not knowing what's going to happen. Well, it's a different culture. I was, yeah. I was one of those guys that just threw myself in, in a bucket of water and make, yeah. I didn't know how to swim yet. You know, and then not knowing the language, not knowing the culture. And then even sumo itself, the majority of the Japanese kind of handle it. Yeah. I don't even call it a sport. It's a culture. You got to yeah. leave the damn thing. Oh, you have to live. It's like it's a lifestyle. Yeah, commitment, like hundred yeah. percent. You know, when I talk about that, people turn their head. Yeah, you can't. You can't. I never went to anybody's funerals. Yeah. You know, I. By the time I got to mom, mom, she was dead on the plate. Yeah. On, on bed already, and that's the kind of commitment you yeah. have to do. I'm glad that 
uh, my family could understand. Every time I talk to that, you know, I'll be like tearing shit. I, I gotta go see my niece. I gotta go see yeah. my nephew. He go, wait, you can come back. He go, they're gonna come back. Exactly. So that's the kind of stuff that you, you kind of fight more than anything else. Yeah. The battle is always keeps you going because you know you couldn't make it, but if you just do good for yourself. You kind of push yourself forward every day yeah. to overcome that. Oh, yeah, You had to find a way to overcome all yeah. this stuff, you know? Well, you, you being your 18-year-old kid, culture shock sets in. But you're coming, what part of Hawaii, first of all? What represent your Hawaii part. I'm the west side. Yeah. <laughs> you're coming from the west side of Hawaii. Yeah, west side where everybody think you're a criminal. <laughs> they, but they, 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 they call us, they tell us, hey, come on, you, you're a good athlete. And you know how to rip off good. You know, you know how to, like... Jump cars and stuff, <laughs> and they, you know how to fight. And the other thing you're good at is uh, making babies when exactly. they graduate. <laughs> well, is that something that went to your decision to say, okay, look, we're in the 80s in Hawaii on the west side. Maybe let me try to get away from this, you know, Hawaii lifestyle to see what this Japan lifestyle was about. Was that, a, was that well, had something to do with your decision? Well, the biggest decision is because I, I'm a younger, younger one, yeah. so I saw everybody go to college yeah. and stuff. Brother, who's two years older than me, he went to Washington State University. Yeah. I had a sister, oh, they went to Oregon. But when they go, they went, they went on scholarships. Yeah. But then they call full scholarship, but they still had to pay for where they stayed yeah. and certain things. So I saw that. I see the struggle with mom and dad, you know, financially yes. trying to do that. Absolutely. When my team came, when, they, when, when I met Takamiyama and I told him, bro, as long as I don't pay nothing, yeah. I'm good. I'm just going to walk away even though I don't know. I just going. So, so that was the hook for you. As long as I don't got to pay for nothing and my yeah. family don't got to burn yeah, themselves, yeah. I'm down to yeah, do this. I went and burned all my college papers and yeah. stuff because I wasn't thinking of even playing any sports anymore. I was interested in law. Yeah. I wanted to study law in, 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 in college. Yeah. So that was my kind of goal. But when I, when I went and met, that came back, burned all the papers, and that's it. I'm gone. So you was already, so all, all the football scholarships and everything was done. You were like, look, I'm going to go to Japan and try to do what it do over there. Yeah. You got to tell us about the first day you stepped on Japanese soil. How was that for you? Because the culture shock already is huge. But for some kid, an 18-year-old kid, how does that, you don't know what's going to happen. How does that hit you? Well, my story is so unique that when I went there, I had no money. Wow. So I didn't know. And went there. No, nobody, right? So I walk out of the airplane. Those days in Japan, 40 years ago, you had to pay um, airport tax. Yeah. Oh, wow. You, you had to pay like 2,000 2, yen to get out of the airport. You yeah. buy a ticket. You know? Just on top of you trying to get out of yeah. there. And yeah. I never had bags, too. I only had a shoulder bag. Wait, wait, wait. I, so you I, left Hawaii I, with a shoulder bag? I left a shoulder bag. <laughs> All I had in my shoulder bag was my Bible, yeah. my album with my pictures of my family and my friends. I had a pair of shoes, slacks, and a lotion. I thought I was going to wear that when I got on the yeah. plane. But my mom pulled my shirt. She was pulling out my shirt, the shirt she bought me that morning, white out of some morning store. She saw more. <laughs> and she made me an Ilava Lava when Iafai Kanga. So if you see my first picture when I, I was wearing E-level of slippers and a shirt that say Samoa. <laughs> so you look like you came straight from Samoa when you came to Japan. It looked like I came from Samoa, but I came from more. I had a shoulder bag and that's all I had. I had <laughs> so no you look like a runaway at this point. You're exactly. like, who's this runaway Samoan kid in Japan? <laughs> so I had no money. So when walking in the airport, you get, yeah. oh, they're like, man, can I get out? So all these local people from Hawaii, hey, 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 uncle, can you help me? Or, yeah. What you need, boy? What you here for? I'm going to try sumo. Oh, yeah, you're going to try sumo. How do you get out of here? Yeah. He said, Oh, you have to pay 2,000 yen. Oh, Uncle, but I don't even, I don't even, yeah, you didn't even have that. My money. Yeah. So, okay, no way. We pay. So they pay. So I come out of the airport. Nobody's there for wait for me. Nobody's at the airport in Narita. Yeah. I go, whoa, how the hell you get out of here? 
So I look around. And the Narita Airport's a huge airport. I've been there. <laughs> so they tell me, oh, you got to catch the mic, that bus, yeah. the limousine bus to going to Tokyo. So, oh, yeah. So I try to jump on the bus. They say, you got to pay 3,000 yen. Oh. So I, <laughs> everything costs. Yeah. Everything costs. So I didn't know that thing cost. So I over there asking all the local people yeah. who, who are on the plane with me, hey, can, can you guys uh, pay for my ticket or what? Or get on. Oh, because they came from Hawaii with yeah, you yeah, on yeah. that flight. Yeah, they were yeah. on the flight. And yeah. people, I don't know, even till this day, I, I wish I could, I know who I was talking yeah, exactly. to. <laughs> I just got on the plane and I went to Tokyo. That's yeah. my whole career started with nothing. I mean, yeah. when you talk about nothing, I mean nothing. I was going to say, when you say nothing, you mean nothing. I mean nothing. Just because you're asking everybody for for 3,000 yen for the limousine bus that's going down, but you being over there, 18 years old, it what's the scary, next step? Scary, man. I mean, it has to be scary because you're. I'm just talking about kids being alone in their hometowns. You're alone in a whole other country, mm. and you don't know what the, the language barrier has to be. You know no, no Japanese whatsoever. No Japanese at all. Just pigeon. That's it. Just pigeon. <laughs> just pigeon English. Exactly. So it's funny. So I got there. I finally got my place, got to the stable, and uh, yeah. I walk in, and I go, come down in the building, and all these medias are waiting for me to walk yeah. in. So I'm, you know, from the very beginning, I'm like, my brain is like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm like, well, you're trying to compute, or you're trying to take all this in, first of well, all. Well, you know, you're 18 years old, yeah. you know, and you're trying to figure out what the hell I should wow. be doing. Yeah. But I just kind of went with the flow and just listened, and then Jesse came, and then Jesse helped me. To this, um, we had a media conference. We had a press conference and talking why I want to join all that. So I don't yeah. even remember what I said. But so you're thrown right into the media circus right away, right away. Right away. Well, that wow. day I got there. So you have to adapt and try to adjust really quick. Everything, you know, yeah. that was new to me. And, and the sport itself, the language is new to me. And then, again, from Japanese language and Japanese uh, sumo culture and Japanese culture is two different cultures. Yeah. Exactly. They don't even, the Japanese can't even handle the, the Japanese, I mean, the sumo culture. So yeah. I thought I was learning Japanese culture when I was part of sumo. But when I spoke some of the languages that I learned in sumo, yeah. the it Japanese, was different. Yeah. There yeah. was just a different dialect and the way we carry ourselves in sumo. Wow. And because the way we dress, the way we walk, we have to be a certain way yeah. all the time, every time, you know? And it's like a regimen. Like, I, I was watching some of the videos. It's like, it's like a regimen to be a sumo wrestler. And it's a whole, like well, you said, it's a whole culture. It's a representation of something that you have to always have in the back of your head. You know, yeah. we, like I always explain this, the... The hardest thing about this whole thing is you can work so hard and you just make one little mistake. Like, I mean, you go to a bar, you get into a fight, bar yeah. fight, and you all. Because the, so you're basically seen under a microscope even before you start getting it up in the rankings. Yes, yes, So yes. everything, like like today, social media is everybody's resume. Yep. They were on you as soon as you got off that plane. So yep. anything you did from there on out was going to affect you, whether you be negative or positive, in this sumo culture. Yes. So, so you couldn't do nothing. And coming from Hawaii, from the west side, that's a whole nother thing. But like I said, the good thing about it, I didn't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just learning. Yeah. And I was just accepting, trying to um, take everything in and, yeah. and learn, be the best in everything I do. Because when I came in my first six months, I was I was a Mr. Um, go clean up everything. Yeah. You know? And that's how it is. The and that's how you go up from the yeah, ranks. Yeah, go up yeah. the ranks. So you... For the first six months, I was cleaning freaking toilets, four toilets, three o'clock in the morning, cleaning stairs, all all on your knees. You cannot yeah. you cannot use. Mops. And that's part of your training. That was my well. training. Yeah. So I do all that for like six months. Then I go to sumo school and stuff. And then you know, and even just that too, I made sure I was the best in cleaning. Yeah. And like um, my boss's mom, Okami-san, they call her. She's yeah. a, she's a wife, and she looks over us when the boss is not around. She always like. 
told me, man, you one of the kids. I, I never saw a kid who's so big and go under the freaking sinks, <laughs> make sure everything. You were maneuvering. Yeah. yeah. And I did everything because that's the way I was raised. Yeah. You know, it's not like I learned how to clean. We brought that from home yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, that's, that's all from home. And, <laughs> yeah. trying to, and everything I did, I, no more half-assed stuff. Yeah. Man, everything is 100%. So, you know, as I went on, and the only way I could get out of the, the those trenches is by, just to be good and, yeah. uh, and you move your rank up. So i glad because uh, they motivated me. Some of these guys treated me like shit, yeah. you know? But, you know, the good thing about it, I always can kill a guy in practice. <laughs> and that's any and guy, that's where you get him back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's 100%. And it's good and good advice for anybody that's in sport or any, even studies. You have somebody who want to pick on you. And, yeah. and it, it, if they have the authority over you, the only way to beat them down is beat them down. Yeah. You know, legally. Yeah, at the game. Yeah, at, the, at the game. game. Yeah. So I always told myself, yeah, you can pick on me Monday through Friday, but Saturday, Sunday is my day. Yeah, exactly. You know, Once we game. get in there. <laughs> so slowly, all these guys used to pick on me, but I used to one by one. Yeah. I always target them by in practice, and I used, I used to be so fired up. Practice used to five thirty. I used to be up at three thirty in the morning, every ready morning, to go, ready to training and lifting weights. Yeah. Freaking warmed up. Everybody walked in. I'm like, all sweaty. My <laughs> eyes are all red. And not even starting the practice. Yeah, just like, well, now we're ready yeah, to go. No, yeah, yeah. And then like all my guys, my senior guys after retirement, they used to say, "Man, you freaking guy, you look like a freaking red bull." Your eyes were so, were so scared of you after six months. Yeah. I thought you guys, you guys had to be scared because exactly. you guys were treating me like shit. And exactly. the only way I could get back to you guys is beat the shit out of you yeah. guys. You know, some guys, I put them in a the hospital, like Chusuma, you know. Yeah. And that's where the West Side come in. Exactly. <laughs> I do exactly. I my dirty tricks, bro. Yeah. I, I, I put this guy down. I put my elbow right in his freaking chest to stop his breathing and everything. Wow. Take him to the hospital and almost die, bro, in practice. And you was, you was looking for that opportunity where you could use the West Side. Like, oh, this is it. Yeah, that, well, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. But everything, like like my boss said, once you come in the practice area, everybody's the same. Yeah. There's no seniority and shit. Yeah, everyone's like, on the so, same level. So that's why I was, I was, I knew where I could prove. Yeah. myself and better my, my lifestyle in Japan, especially in a stable, yeah. because everything is by rank. And when you, so when you're in the stable, right, mm. and you, you come in like, do you, do you know about sumo at this point? I mean, are you just going off of what you're seeing? Everything is from what I see. I'm just yeah. learning day by day. Like, you know, and then slowly, you know, I, I just, my physique and I was already strong. I was actually benching 550 yeah. pounds in high school. Yeah. I was squatting over 600. I was, I was, I was a power lifter. I love yeah. weightlifting, you know? So you but already have those aspects. Yeah, I was already strong. And it was just already that playing I, football. Yeah, so yeah. the technique that I was using is more like my arms is trusting and, and, and just bulldozing my, my technique that boss was trying to teach yeah. me. Yeah, and more like an old lineman yeah. trying to use that thrusting. The hand. Because he told me, you go to the belt, this guy's been doing sumo since they're three years old. And go, once you go to the belt, there's 84 different techniques in sumo that they can throw your ass. And those techniques are crazy, yeah. <laughs> they can throw your ass. They can actually break your elbow in, like yeah. in, in a second you know, when they have to. So that's the part that I just learned. And I, I, the technique, I work hard on it. And I take advantage of my body yeah. and my power. And that's what took me eight tournaments. I stayed the record right there in Japan. Did a lot of it have to do with the coaching that you were getting at that time? Everything is about or the a little coaching. Bit, a little everything. It's about the coaching. Because yeah. um, if I tried to do the same thing as everybody else, I wouldn't get there. Like I said, they, they experienced, they've been doing it since Little League. Man. You know? And they then, were raised into this. Yeah. And the, the biggest difference is I had strength. I was fucking strong. Yeah. Oh, can I swear on this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> I was like strong. Like, yeah. I, I was like a bulldozer. And like, you know, even till today, the record holds eight tournaments. Nobody ever went eight tournaments straight up to the top rank. Wow. Stayed the record today. The other ranking, I'm, the other record I'm proud of is that being a junior champion with 14 tournaments. That's only two years and two months. So you was coming up quick. I went not coming up. I still hold the records. Yeah. Up there quick for starting from the very bottom. Wow. 
So stuff like that, and that's the motivation. I tell my motivation was everything I knew who I wanted to do things for. My yeah. parents was everything. I pictured in my head, I'm gone. Yeah. And then when it comes to practice, you know, I just every everybody was a rival to me. Yeah. Every, every, all the guys in the everybody street, was competition. Everybody at that was point. competition. Yeah. Nobody was a friend to me. It's perfect because, like I said. I didn't speak no language. I yeah. didn't know nothing. Knowing nothing is the best thing exactly. to know. Because if you know, it might yeah. it might hinder what you're trying to do through your training. Well, it distracts your most emotions. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is something that everybody has to learn. Emotions, if you just one percent emotion about something when you're a professional, yeah. it won't you, you won't be all there. Yeah. I don't care who you are. One percent is big for anybody. Man, that's big right there. Especially for the people watching right now. Well, you're going against guys with hundred percent. Yeah. You cannot come with ninety nine. No. That 1% kills, gonna be, kills put you, you on your ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, the biggest thing about me getting away from sumo and learning about so much is learning how to dis, get my distractions away. So yeah. Being, being, being very bold and, and learning how to get all that stuff away when my tournaments come up yeah. and stay focused. Like, it's funny, we'll do my... I don't even remember, like, when they eat, you can't even taste the food. That's how focused I yeah. was in every all my tournaments. Like, But even back in the day, like, you saw about, like, training, they were encouraging you to get bigger. Yeah. So it's not like you was not trying to, like, eat keto. Food yeah, yeah. Stuff. You had to eat to yeah. maintain yeah. what they were doing there. Tell us about that. Well, the, the meals we have a day, we have two meals a day. Yeah. And then I kept, I continue lifting weights at, at something that a lot of them didn't do. Yeah. And was like some of them were just taking the weight on, yeah. but not making them into muscle like you were so doing. So like they were like surprised. What is that lifting weights? You know, because yeah. you know we're all tradition, right? Yeah. Everything is just your body weight and stretching and and hitting and stuff like that. So I started lifting weights and stuff. And I just got as I got better and losing in using the sumo technique I had. Yeah. I, I could get bigger and and I could focus more on everything on my sumo than anything else. Yeah. Once you get into a sumo certain rank. You don't have to do all the extra work. Now you have guys as apprentice, or we call it skibitos, yeah. who watch, who do everything for you. Now they clean your room, they do all that. So you walk around with servants, like you know. Yeah, it's so, heard in Japan they have like you have like the servants that serve you and make yeah, sure that you're taken yeah, care of. Yeah. So you were there at that time where it was coming in. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I the one that after eight tournaments, only less than a year and a half, I had guys already doing yeah. that for me. And it's unreal, but you stick your feet out, they wipe your feet. That's another culture shock right there. You're like, hold up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was hard to accept because you're not used to doing that. Yeah. Man. Because yeah, I mean, what I've been reading, sumo wrestlers were treated like royalty. Like, you guys were like the king of the kings. And when you guys were a good sumo wrestler mm -hmm. like yourself, you kind of like had kind of the pick of the, the crop of everything you wanted to do. How did that mean transitioning from, because again, we'll go back to, you're a foreign sumo wrestler mm -hmm. at yeah, this Yeah, exactly, point. yeah. And you had to have been frowned upon. There's people that's been there, that's been raised in that. How did you transition that? People saying, "Okay, he's a foreign sumo wrestler." Like that whole thing had to be a whole thing in his own right because you're battling these people that don't want you to be in this realm. Well, he was huge because yeah. the media. Even if you go back and look, if you Google it, there's stories where um, they had the prime minister come and this because there's one time in my career that I think there was enough points or enough wins to yeah. become a grand champion. Yeah, but they stopped me from it. So there was a phone call that uh, New York Times called my students that when I had two boys from Hawaii who was in the stable. Yeah. When they called, they intervened. They acted like that they were me. And oh, they, wow. And they told them, of course we think he's supposed to be a grand champion. Look at the numbers. Yeah. You guys just made a guy grand champion. He never even won one tournament. Konishu, that's his third That's his third Empress Cup. You guys yeah. didn't give it. So, And then he said, then New York and went right. The story is that Japan is being very racist about this sumo guy. And, and, and that's what I wanted to, because... We always talk about the Konishki and how you were going up the ranks. You were like the second highest yeah. ranks. Ozeki. Ozeki. Yeah. But then to get to the Yokozuna, you already had, when I was looking at the, at the, the matches, and everything, you already had the prerequisites to yes. be a Yokozuna. So 
So when that happened for me, and it, it all kind of crashed down. They were like pointing fingers at me. I just I had to play smart. Like yeah. like I said, the distraction, you can't let that take you away from your focus, which is the sumo. And I, it kind of um, it kind of kind of made the country like think again. Yeah. So the perfect thing about the whole thing, when that happened, Chad Akebono and Musashimaru was up yeah. right behind me coming yeah. up. And those guys was like starting to kick ass and stuff, you know. And I was training the boys, and these guys was up. So what what I did is is actually push those guys to tell now you guys mm -hmm. don't have an excuse if the next local boy come and have numbers. You oh, exactly. Gonna, you guys gonna have to have. So it. you kind of use yourself as an example to the other. What is the only way I could use yeah, myself? Yeah, absolutely. Because again, the record shows there's a guy that they put as a grand champion, never yeah. won the tournament even once. Wow. The same age as me, and yeah. I beat him up to the rank before he did. But you know, but you know, I didn't. When doing my career, I never let that bother me because I have to do my job. Just do your job and shut up and do your job. See, now I was going to ask mm -hmm. that. Like, does that hinder you? Like, I'm even talking about today. We're talking about years later. Like, you could have had that Yokozuna title. I mean, that has to just eat at you every now and again. Well, at the beginning, because when, when when I was on it, like meaning that when when you was in that zone, I couldn't see anything but Yokozuna. Yeah. In my whole well, because that was the goal at that point. Yeah. That was and, the goal. And, and and the way I was winning, I was actually moving towards exactly yeah. like everything turned white when i sleep all i see is sumo yeah and all i i couldn't do nothing else but to focus on sumo but once that happened boom that distraction pushed me to a point where i couldn't focus as much as i could yeah so i can see it chopping away on me and it's funny thing the human being body when your mind is is, is taken away your body can feel it yeah because i was already injured yeah and I didn't feel shit when 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 I was so in my zone. Yeah, I had bad knees. My shoulders like because you're in your zone already. But then you start you feeling that, that stuff. Once you once you lose it, and then you can feel yeah. that distraction. I talk about that one person. It wasn't one percent anymore. It was like twenty percent, thirty percent now, and your body start cracking down. Yeah. you cracking down on your body, and you tell, holy shit. All I, the only thing I was trying to fight is fight to survive. Yeah. Survive my, my the rest of my career because yeah. I didn't want to walk out like freaking lose and drop right to the bottom. Yeah. I told myself, as long as I can fight and stay within the, the top level, yeah. I, I will fight as long as I can. So, so they you, even, were you were still fighting after I all that. Fighting. Yeah. I was still fighting and they were trying to force me to quit even after when I lost the, grand when I lost the champion um, title. I held it for yeah. over seven years. So when I lost it, they forced, they tried to force me. No, 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 no. And that's the other thing I think kind of break the ice where just because I was a chairman doesn't mean I'm going to have to, you know, retire right yeah. away. Yeah. So I kind of fought the last three, four years of just hanging in there, just do the best I can. Yeah. Now the injuries caught up with me and, and, you know, I think the time when it, uh, I could feel already. My body was, that's it. I decision. Yeah. I got to, I got to make the decision to go else. I might kill myself. You yeah. know, my body, oh, was, yeah. my body was hurting. I was freaking Drinking so much painkillers is like crazy. Well, when you're in the middle of that, what's your peak? What's your peak weight at that point? Because I've been reading at stuff the, that you were up like at six. the end of my career. I was over six already. Yeah, and that's when I was boss up already. Yeah. You know, I couldn't do railing. I was just just trying to hang on. I just was trying to hang on as long as I can. On the 1996, I think. Yeah. I just wanted to tell myself because I wanted to go around one more time in Japan. Yeah. Just to be in the front of my fans, the guys that you know supported me. Because at that the year. point, you have a huge following. Yeah, it was. It's almost cult star like. Yeah, it's it's funny, like it didn't matter if I won or lost. The crowds yeah. was yelling, and they were there to see yeah. you. Yeah, like they were, they were yelling and screaming and stuff like. Yeah. So, I think I owned that much to all the sumo fans, even the, my fan clubs all over Japan. I had big fan clubs all over Japan wherever I went. So I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to like quietly make sure I went to all those cities before I quit. 
yeah. quit or retired in uh was the last tournament this June. It's a November tournament, which yeah. is just just over. So that was the goal. And then yeah. we came. I, I'm glad I, I I did because my body was actually beat up so yeah. much, man. What were, what was your peak weight when you were at your top of your game? I think my peak weight, the best way that I could fight at really good was five thirty. Yeah. That's wow. why I was like moving and shit. Yeah. And we're talking about because I've been seeing I don't seen a whole hour of video of you of all your highlights. <laughs> I was watching it for the past week and I'm just like, to see you doing that at around 530 is like that's like you look at gentlemen today and playing football, mm. 400 is too much for them. Mm. But when you're in a sport like you, it's one on one. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like going at it. I was like, you're at your peak at around 400. Yep. And we're saying that you got up to 600 where, okay, now now sumo wrestling is starting to be done competitively. Yeah, yeah. When do you start to say, okay, I got to start getting right for the rest of my life right because after, now I'm up there. Right after, right after, um, right after the last year of my career, I told myself, I, I, I have to go. Yeah. I was kinda, what was the sign to, to tell you, hey, well, it's the, time? Well, I, was, I was like getting sick. Yeah. And um, I, I almost actually lost so much blood the last, right, right before my last tournament. People didn't know that, but in the ho hotel when I was on tour, yeah, I lost so much blood and I, in the hospital. So I was stuck in the hospital in the hotel. I call out my friend to come pick me. Everybody laughs at me because I'm always clowning around, right? Yeah. So I call him. You gotta come get me and go. And he's like, stop laughing. It's stop clowning. You're always clowning around. They walk in. <laughs> There's blood all over the wow. freaking hotel room. I thought we have to sneak out of here because if the media finds out, yeah, all shit's gonna break loose. So I got two of my friends to come in. I was big too, and these yeah. guys are regular people. I thought just. Just grab my kimono, wrap myself, and then I'll fight myself. Wow. I'll fight to get up. I was I was actually there for like seven hours on my own. Wow! Out because I was uh, and I didn't sleep because I tried to get to the bathroom. I was yeah. throwing water at me. But was that something that you kind of like built up over the years? Oh yeah. Like I, I, at I that felt, point, it's I, like I, I man, felt, I felt coming because I was taking like cortisone shots. Yeah. Like drinking freaking like painkillers and it like took every toll. week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was killing me. I, yeah. I, I already felt it, but I was trying to hang in as much as I can. And that, when that was a sign came, I thought, bro, it's better time for go, man. You, you did enough. You know? So right after that, right after my, my, uh, my retirement, I started working on my weight and stuff. Yeah. And, stuff, so. and tell us about that because people to this day see pictures of you. There's like, iconic pictures of you, you know, standing over other sumo wrestlers where you were a big dude. Yep. But now to kind of bring it back to say, okay, I can still, because you're, you're obviously still active in the sumo world. Yeah. But now you want to go there as an ambassador for mm -hmm. the sumo wrestling. But how did you get your weight down to say, okay, I well, can go travel all this time to do that? Well, I was still big. The thing is funny, like I said, when after retirement, I was still big when I was doing all these other show, shows or documentaries. Yeah. I was still like 600 for like a year or two mm -hmm. years though. And then I started pulling down. I pulled down real fast. Yeah. Then I go up, up. I was going back and forth. And then I think it was um, fourth, fifth year after retirement, I told him, my wife told me, man, you, you better go do that surgery. Yeah. Because, you know, with the schedule you have, I'm not even, like, even somebody that big, I don't know anybody that that no, big. No, you was doing travel, it. I go to Africa, <laughs> and, I, I'm, and I come back. I mean, I'm in Turkey. I come back. I'm in Australia. Yeah. And that's when I came with the album um, of KMS. Yes. And then when I was doing KMS, I was yeah. big. And, you know, the kind of travels I was doing, I was like from Japan to Hawaii, yeah. Hawaii to like California, California yeah. to Miami, New York, and then come Vegas, back to New York. Wow. Then go to Australia. I was like, <laughs> I and like, traveling with that weight is oh that, man, and that's what I mean. So yeah. the thing is, I could. So that was that was one of the problems. Yeah. If I I could move with the weight no matter what, yeah. and that's and that's the thing that kept me away from trying as much as I should have. Yeah, 
you know, because I could handle the weight. And 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 then I just came to a point. My wife, the man, you got you got to take off. So yeah. I took a whole year off from work. I mean, which is so hard for me. I exactly. Stayed the whole office. Stayed in Hawaii, in my house in Hawaii, and started working with doctors and talked yeah. to them for a whole year and, and did the surgery. And and that's where I am today and stuff. Yeah. You know, so. I'm glad I did it, but yeah. you know, it's it's like I said, being a big person is hard. I, and I understand. I advise a lot of big guys that I, I come around mm-hmm. me, bro. You gotta do them, especially when you're younger. Yeah, I had no choice. I had to wait till my whole career was done. Yeah. you know. So, but even that, I did it when it was kind of too late. I was forty something yeah. already, you know. Well, because you're in a you're in a sport that encourages being big, big. Yeah. But like just like football players, when they stop playing football, Everybody they don't know what to do. Yeah. They're like, okay, wait, how do I keep the weight off? Mm. You know, they're not practicing every day. They're not working out every day how you guys were. So, of course, being a sumo wrestler, yeah, they had to take hard, its toll yeah. to say, okay. Now, because it takes us to the music part. Yeah. You try to sneak that music thing <laughs> in there. But tell us about the music thing because during your career, you were still into the music. Well, the music was always something that um they did what well, I did during my career. Yeah. Every time they get me singing at parties and stuff. <laughs> so and that's I, just something in our Polynesian yeah, yeah, culture it's just, alone. It's yeah. Natural. And I sing in all these Japanese karaoke for all these Japanese yeah. people at the parties that I get invited to and stuff. So right after my career, I um when we talked about music, my friends go, Bah, did you do the rap rap stuff? So I talked to like Vince them, yeah. Know? And that's why OMB is actually one of the producers of of some of the music I have on there. Yeah, man, rest in peace to yeah, Daniel DeVoe, yeah, man, Danny, OMB. Man. I love those guys. But then that's where it started. Well, and I told myself, Solid, bro, I'm not man, Uli, bro. They, they, they tell me, just do one rap one first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't, you know, like, it's it's doable, but yeah. it's not like, you know, I want to, but no, you got to do them so you can come in. Yeah. Ass. So we did it. I did it. I did the KMS stuff and yeah. you got got lucky enough to be on MTV, Entertainment Tonight and all yeah. that stuff. I got to sing at, um, uh, what's it called? Carrie, that New York um, morning Morning show. That one got of the morning on. shows you was yeah. on there. Okay. Was it Kelly and, and... Yeah, yeah, that one. Uh, the, well, the, the old school. The yeah. old school one. With Regis. Kelly and Regis. Regis. Yeah. I, I sang. I, I rapped on that, yes. too. I did Jay Leno and yeah. stuff Come like on, that. Come on, man. Tell and them I, the resume, Konishki. <laughs> no, but I was doing... But I didn't know about this because I live yeah. in Japan. To me, it's just like just another appearance yeah. and stuff like that. So when, that, when I went to do the promotions in Miami and stuff like that... Oh, bro, I, I, I wasn't used to Japanese culture and American culture so different. <laughs> like, wherever you go, it's like everybody's, like, standing there, like, if you're Fusu, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, nobody's nice, and I'm, I'm, I'm this, yeah. like, big Samoan boy from white. You're the intimidating figure that's and, walking and, through and, the room. But I'm smiling, you know. Yeah. Like, what's up, brother? Like, everybody's yeah. the hardcore. Standoffs, right? yeah. yeah. So I walk in, there, what's up, brother? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then we go all this club, and nobody's, like, talk talks nice. Everybody's, yeah. like, so... I can't handle this shit. I've been living in Japan the past 30 something years. I don't have this when I go. Right after we did that, I go, well, bro, I ain't going to do that anymore. I went back (laughs) to my Hawaiian music. I go sing all my my, my Hawaiian music in Japan. But it goes back to you telling about uh, OMB from uh, from Booyah Tribe. Booyah Tribe, yourself in Japan, Mm. was huge. Like, we're talking about Booyah Tribe in the music game and you in the sumo game, but just us as kids. To see someone that's of Samoan descent, of Polynesian mm. descent, out there in Japan doing it, that was like a role model for all of us, you know, growing up. So to see you guys with, when I was so like glued when Buya Tribe had their whole Japan run. Yeah, and yeah. then to somebody to say, 
somebody whispered, hey, you know Konishki, he's, he's Samoan. I'm like, wait, what? It's like, oh, he's Polynesian. Yeah. So when you hear that as a kid growing up, you kind of say, man, there, we can do things in places like Japan, in places that are outside of what your normal Hawaii, you know, the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. How did that take, I mean, when did you start to realize that, okay, I'm actually doing something not just for me and my family, but for my culture? Well, before I came there, there was actually that's uh, right Polynesian that made it. Yeah. Alpha and Sika were big yes. over there, and not only that, one of the one of the best home run king batters, a guy Tony Soleta. Yes, Tony Soleta played uh, two years. He was a home run king two years in a yep. row for for a team called Nippon Ham. Man, so uh, history right there. Yeah. So when I came, there were there was already not as big, but yeah. you know it got bigger as as I stayed there. People, I I kept on telling. I'm a Hawaii-born Samoan. Yeah. I always correct them, Hawaii-born Samoan. Yeah, tell them, Kunishi, so, because there's a big difference. Yeah, there's a big difference. <laughs> so as, as it goes on, and then Disney opens up in Japan. Yeah. And then the whole Polynesian show is all Samoan guys. Yeah. With the, some uh, people that used to be for Arapake uh, Malia and stuff like that, those groups. Yeah. They, the kids, I think, were part of it. So they're like so much Polynesian start coming in. Yeah. And, uh, the Hawaiian scene is it's huge right now. And, and, but that's when you started seeing all oh, a lot of Polynesians yeah. coming, and then after that, then pride begins, and yeah. you have uh, Sefo, you have Hunt yeah, coming Mark in, Mark Hunt, Mighty yeah. Mo, and yeah. all these guys coming in. So, because we started to see a lot of Polynesians thrive out there. So now they know what Samoan is. Yes, they knew what Hawaiian was yeah. because <laughs> the relationship between Japan and Hawaii. Yeah. But um, Samoan, then Musashi Maru is Samoan too. Yeah. Samoan, yeah. Samoan Tongan. So they started knowing the difference, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And to hold that, I mean, with now, because, you know, everyone looks at the culture now because now we're looking back on it. Like when I talked to Fiji and I talked to other guests, it was trying to get you guys' story. But going into being a sumo wrestler, was that something that said, okay, not only am I going to you know, put on for my family and my mom, I want to kind of do this as a thing for the culture to show them that you could be a Samoan kid from Hawaii and still kind of do something to step outside of your comfort zone. Well, anything you do, when when I stepped out, you know, when I stepped on a plane to go, I already knew what I was yeah. representing. Yeah. And there's, it's always going to be bigger than what mm -hmm. I am, what Fiji is, and what yeah. anybody that walked into this studio. Absolutely. Bigger than, you know, what we come from. Would, uh, would would never be smaller than what we yeah. do. It, what we do is a little piece of what yeah. the f the future holds for us, and what what all our grandpas and fathers who who passed, you know, yeah. Peter Maivia and all yeah. those guys. You got the High Rock's Chief. grandpa, all these guys that did they did shows, but wasn't it recognized as today? Yeah. So you got to credit what's what went before Absolutely. us and stuff like that. Yeah. But for me, every every place I go, I, I feel like I represent something. Yeah. That's what's very important to me. Wherever I do, whatever I do, whatever I say, I'm saying the right thing because yeah. I, I represent something bigger than I am. Absolutely. Which is my culture, my family, and the state of Hawaii that yeah. I come from. So I, I take that seriously in, yeah. in my life. So, And that's why I always, always my friends tell me, bro, I, I hear a lot of trouble with guys in uh, Japan with the some of the sumo guys and here not, bro. I love my life, yeah, and I take pride in who I am, yeah, because everything I everything I represent is worth something to represent. That's yeah. why I have to be the best citizen, the best man in yeah. I do. I want to do shit, you know. Yeah, like, that's you what try me. How hard was that? That is very to kind hard. Of, well, especially I'm not, I won't say it in Polynesians alone to keep your nose clean the way you did throughout mm -hmm. your career. And you being under a microscope. Mm -hmm. I mean, us Polynesians that, that today get away with stuff, we're like, how the hell did Kanishki get away with that? Because you, once I you were in away it, from you were it, in it. Man. Yeah. I stayed away from it and be smart with everything I do. And especially, I think the sumo culture has taught me yeah. that. 
because they don't they don't they don't give you any second chances, yeah. you know. And then when I see a lot of like the Western sport, when guys like getting in trouble for like even even like fighting dogs and you know killing yeah. dogs stuff like that, you get kicked out right away. You yeah. never come back. And then you like girlfriend fighting and stuff like that. That would never happen. You get kicked. You always yeah. No matter if you Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you do something stupid yeah. in public, you're out. They don't exactly. care. Because <laughs> sumo, they don't look at they don't look at us as a product. We're not a product to anything. Exactly. We just we just we're just part of the culture that we represent, and you're nothing more. So yeah, that's why it's very important. Don't lose don't lose everything that you work for. Especially and that's, that. and that's why I I'm the way I am because I ain't gonna lose all this hard work I did. Forty you've been years, doing it, man. Forty years. Forty in the years game. I've been doing. I ain't gonna do anything yeah. stupid to lose all. Even though I like sometimes, yeah. you know, you get cracky. <laughs> you know, you know. I'm I'm glad that I have people to protect me around yeah. me, especially my wife and people that work around me. They know when some a hole is acting stupid. And they, when they look at my eyes and I'm like, <laughs> you got to make a decision like, at that point. Like, like, somebody's always stepping in. Like yeah. they're always like stepping to kind of change the conversation. But that's how I am now. You know, especially getting older, I think getting more yeah. stubborn, right? So. I try to even think about it. Even in my business, I, I, it takes me five minutes to, to close a deal. I tell, <laughs> tell me what you want. When you want. Exactly. How much you got? Okay. I ain't doing it. Okay. Simple. Yeah, yeah. It's either simple. It's a simple it's, answer. I don't want, either or. I don't need 10 pieces of paper to yeah. tell me what I should be doing. <laughs> One piece of paper is yeah. good. You know, and, and I'm glad I'm at where I am today because I'm more flexible with what I do. Yeah. And that's the reason why I left the Sumo Association. So... I could do the things I do and spend time with my mom and my dad. You when know. you're in the sumo association, you kind of still got to be committed to that you're life. Committed right? that life. Yeah. When yeah. did you decide not to be a part of the sumo association anymore? Towards the end of my career, I knew I was yeah. going to stay. I, I was. Yeah. I was worried about my mom. Yeah. You know, during my career, I couldn't. The longest I can be home is like two, three days a year. Yeah. And that's like get off the plane, say hi to mom, and back on one day and say hi to my friends one day, and then I'm gone. Already, yeah. You know, and I miss my family, so I told my. So ain't nothing gonna hold me back. So I started my own company. What I said, I get it out. I go, anytime I want to go home, I can go home to see mom. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time. I go five times, five six times a year. Yeah. Home. Until my dad passed away, I made sure I spent the whole December and February up to February. I spent with my dad. Yeah. Stay in my house. I cook for him every single yeah. day. And then June, because it's birthday and Father's Day, mm -hmm. I made sure the past four or five years of his life, I was there for him. And yeah. I took him to Japan too. Yeah. So I, I was committed to doing everything on my own, even though, you know, once you start owning thing on your own, yeah. it's, it's extra work because what you do is what you get. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No more fooling around now. No. It's just serious stuff. No, <laughs> it's not like you work for somebody that will give you a pay just for being there. Yeah. Well, because you come from sumo, which you, it's one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. And it's kind of not a, it's not a team sport, but you have a team of people around you mm. to kind of keep you on your p's and q's yep. for what you're doing. Yeah. Now that you're being an ambassador of sumo, like I just seen you was on this tour now. What's mm. different because now w between the, the sumo game now and then that you're kind of just saying, okay, I got to put my foot or stamp into this thing to make it what it used to be. Well, when this pandemic, the pandemic came along, I was uh, I was like looking into the internet. Yeah. And I was like researching how how much of sumo is out there. Yeah. So when I started researching, I was like, holy shit, they got they got amateur sumo all over yeah. here in the US. And and they do it just by loving it, you yeah. know, and they're just fans of sumo. Just for the love then, of the sport. Then I go, Europe, oh Europe is even big. Yeah. They have a war going on and they got Ukraine and Russians, they they in a sumo tournament. Wow. Like I was like, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. So I've been I've been doing a lot of work with um with um trying to invest my time into focusing on how can I uh, make it my mission to actually get out there with the sumo, with like this press tour. Yeah. The mission to actually 
teach them the real mm -hmm. sumo. I don't, they don't have to do it if they don't want, but yeah. I'm giving them access to what's the real deal. Because everything they see now, it's everything that they think yeah. it is. It's so all they're learning. YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. You that guy actually you yeah, telling yeah. them what it is. So it's guys that is learning from YouTube and they're trying to teach other people. Yeah. Which is all cool. I love that because they already put their feet in and trying yeah. to love sumo. But you done lived it. Yeah. So, so and the thing is, I, I bring the experience to it. You know, like yeah. this tour, I have like hundred years of experience, guys that are bought on ex sumo yeah. tours. And then we did this show for fifteen shows and on the West Coast and it, it turned out really well. And then the other thing I've been doing, I just started a master class on sumo. Nice. And then um, I just did it like three three months ago. You actually yeah. download the whole class and you can actually learn depth into it. And talk. Yeah. I talk about my stories and, and, and how I went, approach certain things in my yeah. career and stuff. So the thing is, I wanted, right now I'm still working on a few projects where maybe in the future yeah. we can do our own like UFC kind of style. Do you yeah. see it going towards that way? Because like UFC, everyone thought was going to be a, a, a fad. Mm. Now it's one of the biggest sports yeah. in, in, in the nation. Do you see sumo taking a step towards that realm? I can see it going that way yeah. if it's done right. If it's done right. Uh, Keywords. And, and then the difference is we have to keep the culture within to make yeah. it unique. Yeah. If we try to make it like UFC or pro wrestling on it, yeah. it won't change anything because you have guys yelling, they're cussing on we because you got the people anymore. that know the culture. Yeah, yeah. So, say, if you get anything outside the culture, it's not what it is. So the funny thing, uh, when I did this, uh, we just finished this, this tour, but what I noticed is people, they listen, and they were like, the best comment I have every single show, they welcome, thank you for educating us about sumo. This yes. is a very unique sport. And it's funny because it's so gentle. Yeah. At the same time, it's so rough. <laughs> but yes, they have so much respect. Yes. And that's what that's something that you don't see in our yeah. sports today. Everything is about bro, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take you down yeah. and all that. But the thing I tell them, well, this is the only contact sport or MMA. MMA is yesterday. Yeah. Sumo's been here 2,000 yeah, years. Absolutely. And, and, and sumo is MMA. If yeah. you guys don't know, sumo is a mix of karate, judo, mm -hmm. aikido, wrestling. Discipline. And, yep. and the it's all the different arts. Yeah. But you just that you see them in sumo. People think it's just two big guys. When I explain, it's 84 techniques. Yeah. We don't have a weight class. You know why? Because the big guys cannot use it. It's yeah. the smaller guys who take advantage. They don't want to broke out fingers. They exactly. don't want to break out <laughs> elbows. They don't want to kick out yeah. ankles because they didn't even do, know we kick. Because they had to go into their angle. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. They, it's this, that's the thing I'm trying to bring to, uh, if we can bring it that way. Yeah. And then uh, the thing is, sumo, the bro, this is the only sport where we freaking kick out, kick ass with the, with we beat the shit out of our opponents and we got a bow and say, thank you for kicking yeah. my ass. <laughs> right after you're done. Yeah, like really <laughs> calm and like yeah. you can't show any emotions. <laughs> yeah. Tell me a sport that can do no, that. No, that's it right Everybody's there. so fired up. They're like, yeah. you know. So I think that calmness, that, um, what do you call it, the strength from within that mm -hmm. people see, yeah. which is something very unique. And I think something that the Western world would kind of learn from. Because yeah. I was surprised. Because when, when I did my show, it's like three blocks, A, B, C blocks. So A block is just... Teaching them why our bodies break into this yeah. body weight or our body forms. You know, we got, they call it lady hips. It's yeah. so soft, right? Or flexible. And that's a lot of work yeah. already. The exercise, then we go to B-block is about different techniques. Why I break my fingers. Yeah. Why I can I extend my elbow. And a lot of linemen, a lot of linemen can learn from yeah. this. In fact, uh, we had just had our four-time Pro Bowl or two, two-time Pro Bowl for Super Bowl winner, Jesse was there. Jesse oh, yeah. Tell out Jesse, man. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I invited him over. And stuff. We, we talked to each other so much during yeah. his career and my career. And we always like missing each other. Yeah. So finally, I got him to come. Come. I bring you <laughs> Be my guest at my, the show and yeah. stuff. So, 
So it's it's a very unique sport, and the the lifestyle is something that what you what we do on the ring is one thing, but what we carry off, yes, the respect, the way we carry ourselves in society is the most important part of our careers. And is that something that you loved about that culture part of it? That's, I love that so much because it, it shows the culture within us. Yeah, you know, and uh, you only can get people respecting you if you respect them. Yeah, you know. It's 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 not like it's hard to say because the Bible says you turn the other cheek, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, which is very hard for yeah. a lot of people to do, which I I, um, I can understand that part too. You know, yeah. we all come from that angle and try to be and that, from that upbringing. Know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But now that you, I mean, we get into the social media part of this whole mm -hmm. thing. With social media, like you start to see videos of you resurface. You start to see, you know, sumo wrestling videos, you know, up to music and everything. Mm. How have you used social media towards your gain as far as you know getting your brand more out there? To be honest with you, I don't even I don't even care. Yeah. I don't even try like people think about likes. I don't even to be yeah, honest absolutely. with you. <laughs> I don't even care. Yeah. I, I, the only reason why I do I want my family, my yeah. friends, people that follow know that I'm alive and I'm doing yeah. stuff. That's all it is. Come on, tell I them. I, I don't even like people tell me you should pay somebody for do this. Yeah. Why should I pay somebody? Have me? People <laughs> don't know all my all my media stuff. I yeah. do myself. Yeah. And I and tell you can't pay for getting more people to like. Why should I have exactly? Why should I? I don't want one thousand likes. Yeah. I want I want three people just to buy my hoodie. Yeah. And three people that's already four hundred bucks. Exactly right. One thousand hoodie. One thousand likes. What is that? Yeah. And, to me, I'm a I'm a I'm a live on person. Yeah. I'm one on one kind of. I like to be right there with people, yeah. and I like to be in, within within everybody's touch. You know, yeah. I'm not into that. I don't even use media to get. I don't give a shit about it. You go. Yeah. Look, I always <laughs> look Wikimedia and find out what you can find yeah. out. But that's that's me. But the only reason I do social media because I want my family to know yeah. I live far away. Yeah. And I like them to know exactly what I'm doing, where I'm doing, what I'm doing, yeah. and in, in a way. Um, I'm softly just trying to tell them, bro, don't stop working. Yeah. You know, the action, like they say, action uh, plays a bigger part in inspiring people yeah. than anything else, you know. And my friends, all my good friends, are like, oh, you freaking guy, you're doing barbecue yeah. sauce now. <laughs> you freaking guy, stay on. Like when pandemic happened, they thought, bro, all you fat freaking guys going to die. They're all teasing me. I don't and give you're a like, shit. Wait a minute. I, yeah, I, I go, exactly. You know what? My father told me, when you stop moving, you become a dead yeah. meat. Yeah. I want to be alive, me, keep exactly. on moving. So even the pandemic year, man, I, 1920, in Japan, they asked people to stay home. I yeah. told them why we stay home. I created this barbecue sauce because I didn't know the pandemic was coming. So yeah. I, to, I go, frick this, once I stay home, things is gone. We're gone. Yeah. 47 cities, but on the road. Hitting them. Hitting them, bro. Yep. 47 cities, so 12,000 packages and stuff. I thought, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, you know, I cannot stop. It's just, yeah. it, to me... And I've done anything on my own. I've worked really small. My company is just me and three. When I need to do big things, yeah. I, I hire outside. But I've learned how to not to stop, man. I just don't want to stop. Yeah. And I think through my actions, it speaks louder than the words, you know. Well, you, I mean, you say talking about being in Japan. So you still live in Japan. I, I've been living there for the past 40 years. Citizenship? Citizenship in Japan. Man, see, and, but do you ever think about, okay, I can move to Hawaii every now and then or is how, visiting for Hawaii you? Is, Hawaii is always going to be a Hawaii yeah. no matter what. Yeah. You know, I have a beautiful Japanese wife, and I love the Japanese culture. Yeah. And now I represent the Japanese more than anything else. Absolutely. And, and as, as doing this sumo mission thing, I, I think I've taken upon myself to um, educate the mm -hmm. world about sumo, the sumo world and stuff. And, and Does I the think, Sumo Association ever say, 
you know what? He's actually helping our sport because you're not in the association no more. You're doing this obviously on your own. On now. my own, yeah. I do a lot of things for them when they ask for I was help. about to say, you do a lot of this stuff for the sport. That's like, uh, he's not part of the association no more, so maybe. As long as they know I'm doing something, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't ask anybody. When they ask favors for me, I do it right away. Yeah. They ask, how can we, how, 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 how much you want to get paid? I don't want to get paid for yeah. you guys. It's easy. That's, let me just do it. Whatever you guys need me, call me. So I do a lot of things. Yeah. I'm still like, you know, people laugh at me because Japan is very proper, right? Yes. Formal, right? So when people go and see like the, the CEO and all the top executives, somebody, oh, I have to dress up. Yeah. Bro, I walk in there with my shorts, my T-shirt <laughs> every time. And they're like, all these guys are running the stables. Yep. I mean, running the schools. They're already guys that I wrestled with, yeah. right? So <laughs> you can hear them yelling. Yeah. Oh, President, Konishi's over here with his freaking clothes. <laughs> Konishi's here with his freaking yeah. shorts and T-shirt. You know, to them, it's not normal, right? Yeah, because they have... Everybody sees everybody wearing shoes, they get yeah. like Not even one time. I tell them, <laughs> freak you guys. You guys take me as I am now. I don't belong to you. Exactly. If you need my help, I call you. But I never needed your help. So no, see? Wake because up, brother. You're the one that's doing this tour and the credibility mm. that you bring with you mm. alone because you're already, you're already the... Konishiki, you mm. almost Yokozuna. Like, doing that now, is there something you could see in the future? You, you having your own? Sumo schools and stuff like that now? Nah, not no? never a school, but I want to try to um, find ways where all these ex-sumo guys has a yeah. place to go to start teaching. That was my next question. That, and that's that's where I want to go with this. Yeah. It, and what I'm doing right now, like I told the boys that I took on this tour, to, this to me is, is, I only do it for you guys. I don't need this, to be honest with you yeah. guys. But I love I love what I did. I love what, I, what I'm doing for it. And if I can open, have a market for you guys, all these retired guys yeah. to come out and do this all over the world, I think it's unreal because after this tour, I go in January, I go to Saudi Arabia. To do oh, this. wow. To do the same tour. So, sort of the same thing. Wow. Uh, so, and then after that, Vietnam and stuff like that. So, my, are you taking uh, some of the older? Uh, yeah, yeah the same guys that I took uh, yeah. and stuff. And, and, and that's my goal is them to run their own yeah. thing. You know, if you guys can learn how to put the, this business together, it's yeah. good for you guys. I'm turning 60 next year. I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to slow down yeah. and stuff like that. You, you know? look good for 60, Konishki. Tell you, especially having this legendary career you've had mm. that we've talked about. We talked about Michael Jackson earlier, too. Yeah, yeah. We talked about Rich and Tone. You being in that culture, too, kind of brings you mm. in kind of like personal spaces with stars like that. Mm. How did that come up in your career doing the Michael Jackson stuff? What other stars were you came in contact with to say, okay, I could have that part of my resume now? It's crazy. Everybody from the Rolling Stones, yeah. Aerosmith. Janet, we went out with that Janet, Janet Jackson, Stevie Wonder, yeah. Whitney, on and on. And so the and uh, Sylvester Stallone, the hosted him before. We met Michael, Michael, and yeah. Charles Barkley, and all those guys. We played basketball. There's a video. That's of us right. That's right. Playing basketball <laughs> and stuff like that. So uh, the good thing, like I said, all the foreigners, no matter what, even not only celebrities and and sports figure, all like CEOs and yeah. top executives. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to go to sumo. Yeah. Everybody. So I don't know what it is. I used during my sumo career, I used to spend a lot of time donating my time and to charities. Yeah. And I used to do that and, and all the charities in the you in the Tokyo area was all this top corporate. So yeah. all the corporates remember me doing sumo and they, they would always come to me. Some of all the big companies would always give me a call and then, You got a household name can, at can, that point. Yeah. So yeah. I do a lot of coordinating all this private stuff, VIP stuff, you yeah. know. That coordinate everything from their tickets to the going there pick up and or even at dinners if they yeah. need one and then if i have time if they want me i, I would i would be tag along and, and explain to them yeah and take them to the sumo 
sumo um, experience stuff. They call it the v VIP sumo yeah. experience. So I've done that, um, and that's where it comes. Everybody wants to see sumo. Yeah. No matter what, all the basketball. The reason why um, uh, Stephen Curry, I got yeah. a phone call from the NBA. They said, "Oh, is there any way you can bring some sumo wrestlers to practice?" I said, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where is the practice? I didn't, you know. This <laughs> uh, and that. Okay. What time? And then I just take them. I just go grab a couple guys, talk to a sumo stable master. Yeah. I still have the connection to the sumo guys. So yeah. I take them down, and like you know, all the players like take photo with. The boys and oh, the, yeah. and the young sumo guys, they know Stephen Curry, so yeah. now they're happy. It's a two-way yeah. line, you know, so it's perfect. And then, and then right after the meeting at practice, Stephen's people call and they they call me up, his bodyguard or something. Hey, is any way can you get him to watch a, a real practice session of the sumo practice? Yeah, yeah, the sumo. Oh practice, wow, where people wasn't letting people in because of Corona. Yeah, so I made a phone call to talk to Musashi Maru. They'll give me an hour and then I call, call back. We on tomorrow, but only you only can bring like eight to ten people. Yeah, you can't so bring they, the whole entourage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they came and then we did that at the stable and then they were all stoked with that yeah. and stuff. So it's connected because of sumo. Everybody yeah. wants to see sumo. And, then, and I think it runs uh, synonymous. Like a lot of these stars, you talk about Steph Curry. I think they think about Japan. You think about sumo. Yeah. And who's the top well, of the top? Well, something you cannot find. That's yeah. why. You know, it's the only place you can find. It's like almost taboo where it's like a secret society. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Because yeah. I remember we, me and Boog went to Japan a few times and I was like, I would love to go see a sumo match. Yeah. And it was kind of like that same thing too when when people in Japan seen Samoan guys like me and Jay Boog, they thought we were like sumo wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's because of the culture that yeah, you guys yeah. have there too. But like we were talking about with the stars, we are talking about with Steph Curry. He was wearing one of the Konishiki hoodies on, yeah. on Instagram the, uh, when, the last time you guys met. Tell us about these hoodies you got you have coming out right now. Well, I've been coming out with like if people look at this hat, this is my sumo logo. Yeah. And um I started this even during Corona, I told myself, bro, I'm sitting around, I gotta create something. Yeah. So it's um the logo of myself, I was trying to figure because I, I, I did the art myself. Three years in a row I couldn't find something that would click. Yeah. The click. The logo is everything. It gotta click. So finally I found this logo, boom, once it clicked, the 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 art you see yeah. on me on my clothes is the super Famous artist in Japan. He's nice. a well-known guy. Yeah. So I went to a food artist, and I loved his work. I followed this guy's work all the time. Yeah. So I called his office. I called his office and tell him, hey, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, and my name is Konishi. Hang up the phone. He thought it was a Yeah, it was all a joke. Yeah, joke. <laughs> prank so, call. So it prank call. So I call, where, I call it later on where I was talking to some management. I yeah. Thought, no, it's real Konishi. I really want to have lunch with you. So I finally got in touch with the guy and told you know, your art is something that yeah. – because I want to stay tradition to the stuff. Stay so, true to, to the game. Yeah. Yeah. So the fude art is Japanese. My my sumo is sumo. Sumo is yeah. traditionalist. And the only reason why this is black is because I'm celebrating 40 years in Japan. Man. Usually all my stuff is all white. Yeah. It has to be white because in sumo, white is winning. Yes. And then oh, Okay. So winning is that, like the symbolism. The symbol is white. Got it. So, so that's why all my first stuff is all white. So yeah. Just this year, we celebrate 40, so it's black. You get the black cap. So next year, we have a red hoodie. Oh, because nice. Because in Japan, when you turn 60, you celebrate what we call akafundushi, which is a red. Yeah. Red. Um, it symbolizes. Everything is here, symbolizing yeah. your 68 year of life. Yet. Yeah. So, so next year, it's going to have red. After that, it's going back to all the white stuff. Again. Yeah. So I'm, every day, every year, I'm buying art from this guy, yeah. which is kind of. <laughs> Expensive, too. Which is, But it's worth it. I tell yeah. him. I, I don't care how much it is because it's worth it. And it's something that I, I'm going to treasure forever. Yeah. So I, every year I buy like three, three yeah. new art. And I, I'm just waiting for the right time to actually do more. But everything comes out of Japan. So yeah. I try to keep it. I want to, I always want to check everything myself. Yeah. So I do everything myself. I do the placement, ask for the art and how I want things to do. And stuff. Yeah. 
So it's hard for me to do anything outside of Japan uh, yet right now. So It's always crazy to hear a Samoan kid raised in Hawaii so the ties in Japan that just has it where now in your career, like you're talking about, you celebrate 40 years, you're about to be 60. You still have close ties to Japan. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, you, you was raised in that culture at 18 years old, coming there and that just leaving us, leaving your staple on the game. Mm. And just to have these kids watching the podcast now, and that was the reason I was telling you, I want them to hear this story because they don't get to hear you guys' mm. full story. Same thing with Richard Tone, a lot of these other guests that I have here, because I said, when Konishi came in here, there's a kid right there that said, like, I know, but I don't know. Now with you coming in and telling your story, I feel like they, they know. But what is something they didn't know that they're watching right now they might want to know right now? Well, you know, my, like, you know, being a Samoan kid and something about Japan, the reason why I'm so hooked to it is because they work to perfection, yeah. every little thing. Yeah. And if you ever get an opportunity, like you have your opportunity, you have a, you have a chance to go to Japan. Like even from the food to little things. Oh, my God. And, and that's, that's something that I learned from. Cause I do a lot of cooking myself, yeah. and it's so, like, so almost perfect. And you know, and then when you leave Japan, when I come on the show, like I'm like so suffering right now <laughs> with the different the food, yeah. and so you know. So to me, I want the kids to understand that if you can't open up to a culture, you're gonna yeah. find out that it's gonna only add to making you a better person. Mm -hmm. And it's not everything is gonna match up to who you are, yeah. or, or it's gonna fit what your lifestyle is. But there's a lot of things you can learn from it, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of things they can learn from me. A lot, a lot of things that all these Japanese are learning from me that I treat everybody like family, yeah. which is very different. You know, even now, like they're not used to me. Hey, brother, yeah, I call him brother, I call yeah. him sister. I hug him, you know, and that's it, not normal for yeah. them. But I continue to do that, and they and they pick up on it, and they pick up, and yeah. they're like, you know, they because they can tell me in my face, they DM me, and, and they're like almost crying, like. I'm so happy you call me brother. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, yeah, because that's how I feel. Yeah. You know, and anybody right now who surrounds me or, or part of my life right now, everybody's a family yeah. to me. Absolutely. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have time to make friends. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm within the family. Yeah. And everybody's connected is a, is a piece of my family right now, abroad or here too. So, you yeah. know, that's how it should be. So that's yeah. something that's not culturally Japanese. Mm -hmm. You know, like food. I invite anybody into my house. Yeah. You're like, hey, bro, I go cook for them. Like, I, right in my office, going back, I go in the backside. I cook for like a whole group of guys. Like walking in, come oh, cook for you guys. And, go, and, and for Japan, for see me do stuff like yeah. like, that's Konishki. Can I make him do that? You yeah. Know, to them, at the bra. He's supposed to have somebody else doing yeah, that. Konishki is doing My himself. whole life, I've been doing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And they think, they, you know, they're looking what I had accomplished. Yeah. I thought you guys, you gotta look where I came from. Yeah. That's what I did to survive. That's what I did for yeah. my family. That's what we had to do. When that's how we were raised. That's how we were raised. Yeah. So. What I'm doing now is something I, it's within me. I don't yeah. even have to try. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. When you when you do it so much, it comes naturally. And people see me what I when I do that and they look at me, they compare who I am today. Yeah. And they don't know who I was yesterday. It kind of makes their brains up. Yeah. I tell them, no, 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 no. We, we we and like for them to sit next to me is like, oh, can we sit next to you? Yeah. Cross the chairs, <laughs> sit down. Like, you know. Do you find yourself sometimes slipping up where you're not in the sumo culture anymore, but you still kind of like if you're around like in Vegas and, you know, you do something that's, oh, you know, I probably should have done that. Because, of course, being raised I, in that, I you get, have to be on the I, I have a hard time, like, I wouldn't know that. I, I don't know what is it, what it is, but I'm nervous when I'm in the U.S. Yeah. I get real nervous. Like today is the first time I got out of the room and it was like roaming around. <laughs> I, I don't want to like hurt them. Yeah. You know, real Japanese style is like every time you have to say, you have to be real kind and yeah. stuff. So I'm like, 
Hey, hey, hey. Relax, Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, being over here now, and like I said, I appreciate you coming here because we were talking and you were just doing, uh, you ended the sumo tour in LA. LA, yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm leaving to Jamaica tomorrow. There would be nothing better to mm. kind of get you in here. And I appreciate you doing that because I think your story, need, your story needed to be told. No, I just wanted to be part of this podcast because yeah. I see all the people I went through. Yeah. This guy is like my brothers are yeah. walking through this show. And like, I, you guys deserve, in fact, I, right before I came, I was talking to Tua yeah. in, in New Zealand. Oh, David Tua, man. David Tua. Yeah, the Tua, And I, nev I never met him too. So yeah. Tua is the first time I talked to him. I called him. Yeah. Because he, he, uh, he inboxed me. He wanted to be my friend. Yeah. So I friend him. And they were like <laughs> calking back and forth. I just called him. He like, whoa, bro. Yeah. yeah, so. And it's crazy because like, what well, you just say with Tua, in, in our demographic, in, in our culture, it's like we see the legends doing what they do. Mm. And I think reaching out, it's not, like to me, it was like a cold call, mm. like to see if Konishki would want to be on the podcast. And, you know, kids today is like, oh, you know, I can't hit The Rock. I can't hit Fiji. I can't mm. hit Konishki mm. because they think they're unattainable. Yeah. What I, what, I, what I could tell you firsthand is that we haven't lost our humbleness as mm. a culture. And for me to reach out to you just on a cold call, mm. say, Konishki, I would love you to be on the show. Mm. People would say, oh, he would never hit back. You hit me back like within five minutes. Mm. And we already was talking about getting you on the show. But how today does that humbleness take you a long way from growing up from a kid in Hawaii being Samoan to going through this whole Japanese culture to say, look, that's part of what my upbringing was. Well, exactly. Well, you got to think what mom and dad and grandpa and grandma went yeah. through. You know, I tell people the shit I went through is nothing compared to what they went Absolutely. through. Absolutely. And all the hard work I get, all the stuff I have to do is because of them. Yeah. And I praise my parents. I praise them because they're the one night and day always on their knees, always praying for the family. Yep. And they come from very strong religion background. You look yeah. back to all our families, there's no all freaking stars way. There. Yep. And they started, they came here when we couldn't even speak English. Yeah. They, they're the one that struggled. Yep. My, my, my task in Japan ain't shit compared yeah. to what my parents went through. Exactly. You know, so when I, when I, when it's humbleness, you know, when you see the rock the way he is, you see how Fiji or even all our Polynesian players. Yeah. All they the understand players. that yep. because that's the, that's the, and that's the unique thing that everybody's noticing. Yeah. I talked to some coaches that I don't even know just being in the mainland. Uh, I mean, from the mainland that I met in, and, they, and the first thing you say, man, someone people is so easy to coach. Yeah. Where so is that respectful. from? You tell yeah. me where that is from because everybody's scared of your mom. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even at a, scared of that iron yeah. fist that you was raised with. Yeah. But, but you know, it's that humbleness that yeah. we understand. Our parents went through much more yes. hardship Absolutely. to get us where we're at today. Yeah. We're the generations actually, well, my generation, I'm yeah. older, so I'm the generation that's just taking all that shit just to get shoes to play football. I ain't got, yeah. I ain't got, I ain't got shoes. Yeah. You know, everything's <laughs> like sports wasn't part of the yeah. plan. Absolutely. Just go to school and find a job, you yep. know, kind of thing, which we understood because they didn't know more. And they yeah. were just making life. Try to put every food on the table and make every make yeah. sure everybody went through the high school and stuff. You know, you don't have any too much dropouts those days, my years, because yeah. everything was focused on the family and go to school. Yeah. So like now, I I praise I I'm humble because of that. Yeah. You know, bro, we ain't gonna be bigger than what our parents did exactly. for us at all. You know. And that's what keeps us grounded. I think mm -hmm. it just still being in the business that we are today. You do you still mm -hmm. doing what you're doing mm -hmm. today is appreciated. Mm -hmm. And I think with with podcasts like this and you know opportunities like this, it's a it's opportunity for people who didn't know mm -hmm. the story and yeah. didn't know the background for them to kind of really dwell in it and be like, oh, I heard it from the horse's mouth yeah. instead <laughs> of hearing it on a Wikipedia page. But with that kid sitting there at that fork in the road like you was, mm. you know, ready to leave everything and just kind of go the other way. What advice do you have for that kid 
at that fork in the road. See, right now, I think the biggest the biggest challenge is for us right now with the kids. Yeah. Because they have all the information they need or they have at the palm of their hands. Too much information. So the thing is, how do we get them? Because a lot of them, they all mean the right they all mean the right thing. Yeah. They all want to go, they want to do good because mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But some kids cannot handle that pressure. Yeah. So how do you work that? I've, I've talked to many of my friends' kids yeah. privately because their, their father come in and talk to my yeah. son and stuff. So I talk to the kids. And one of the biggest um, challenges I see with the kids is they're trying to prove too much to their yeah. parents. So I tell them, okay, you listen now, boy. You're good at, your, you're good at what you do, right? They say, yeah. You think you can do real good? You know, what's holding you back? Well, you know, I feel the pressure. Well, don't think about your parents then. Yeah. Because every single parent that lives today wants to see their kids exceed. Yeah, and the pressure be successful. There. If that's the pressure, if that's yeah. the distraction, forget about them. Go do your work because yeah. whatever happens to your career, mom and dad will always be there for you. Yeah. So that's the pressure. For us, it's natural. We always wanted to do yeah. Our parents was everything to me. You know, and that's what Absolutely. keeps me strong because I, I don't want to even my parents up in heaven, God bless them, rest in peace. But I still feel like they're watching me. Yeah. I still have I still have to represent <laughs> still look around them. your corner. Oh, yeah, somebody, you know, they watch it's me. funny thing when I was in high school, right? So all our friends after football practice, they go, they're all smoking, they're all smoking weed, right? So we had the bus stop. I'm in Manoa now. Yeah. I live in Nanakuli, but Manoa after practice went to pack fire, yeah. so I have to catch the bus. <laughs> so I already smoking though. Sally, smoke one, bro. I go, fuck you, bro. I ain't gonna do that. He said, bro, why? Bro, my father can hear you telling me smoke. He goes, he goes, what the fuck you talking about? You take my notice, didn't you? Fucking my, my father can see you right yeah. now. He can see yeah. everybody. God yeah, sees everything. <laughs> my, my dad can see you, bro. That's how, that's how scared I am to even think about it. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, to that point, people are like, bro, you you unreal, bro. Oh yeah. If you try to sneak it, not me. No, no, you ain't gonna see me. I'm not even trying. They bro. always watching. They always yeah, watching. Yeah. Kunishki, before we get up out of here, where can they go to the website to get themselves a hoodie? Get themselves acclimated with everything you got going on. Well, the hoodie is uh, something that um, you cannot get. Yeah. Only in Japan. But um, if you want to hear more of my story or even the classes, the master sumo class yes. I do, it's it's a nalo nalo tv slash sumo. It's it's. And the other thing I'm coming on, I'm working on my book finally. After my I dad. was about to say, the, the book had to be coming. Well, the book is something I, I'm, I'm sitting on. Like, you know, as we talk here, there's, there's four different cultures yeah. that I have to deal with that um, I have to find understanding everyone for people to, um, to what my message wanted, yeah. what, what I wanted to be my message. So my question to me when I, was, when I wanted to write the book is, what the hell is this 18-year-old kid thinking about? Because yeah. <laughs> I was trying to go back and see yeah. what the hell made me do all that shit. Mm-hmm. Because it's not normal, right? Yeah. And then again, like I come from four different cultures, meaning I lived in Hawaii yeah. in American culture, but I was I was raised in a Samoan house. Yes. So that's two different cultures. Mm-hmm. And then I had to find ways to to work with that two cultures yeah. as growing up. And then when I joined sumo, the sumo world and the Jap- Japanese culture is two different Two cultures. separate ones, yeah. So I needed to kind of find what all this um, four, four different cultures had yeah. in common and what certain cultures helped me, push me to certain uh, areas in the sumo culture yeah. that I had. So the thing is, I'm not trying to tell you what I did in my career. I'm telling you how I overcome all the yeah. distraction and how do I fight through things. I'm finding, trying to find answers to it. So I'm collaborating all these different cultures and trying to write a book where people can learn from. Like something I just told you about the kid. Yeah. You know, you don't have, if something distracting you, even if that's your parents, 
you know, like forget about it. Yeah. Just focus on your career because if you do good, everybody gonna be good, do good. You know, absolutely. So that's more like what I'm I'm work, working on the book right now. And then I needed to find somebody who's bilingual and understood Samoan culture, Hawaii, yeah. Japan, and sumo. So I found these two uh, co-writers that are perfectly English and Japanese. Yeah. The wife is like sumo sumo freak she yeah. knows everything about sumo so i took historian them to, yeah. yeah so i took them to to hawaii and visit my family and yeah. met them you know talk to all my sisters and brothers see them if they can uh, find what's what makes me so different yeah. in the culture so that's what the book is going to be all about and then you know you can follow me i'm i'm on instagram it's Konishki. Yeah. And, you know, I just do it because I want people to see what I'm doing. You know, exactly. That's that's and that's it. how I see what you was doing. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, I don't even like, use it for, like, anything. It's, yeah. it's mostly just to, I want to stay close to everybody that's close enough, you know. Yeah. That's how we met, you know. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be, I will be sitting here, you know. So. And I'm telling you guys, like, reaching out to Kunishki, it is intimidating. Because you sit there like, okay, I wonder if he's going to hit me back or not. Because, you know, you don't know who's going to hit you back and who's not. But I think this platform has opened it up where this is your story. Yeah, and yeah. this is this is your time to be you know forever to give you your flowers, you know while you're still here. Well, and that was something big about it because I want people to get their accolades while they're here, and not when they're gone. So that's what was a big. I'm premise very for this. I'm very grateful for you too. Yeah. I'm very thankful all of us that you put this thing together because yeah. uh, I've been in many many, many podcasts, but this is one that like everyone wants to get on. Yeah, and it's something the ones I've been watching it's like still going and you part of the music industry yeah. so everybody knows it's easy to get to you and if you're out there and you, you need to tell your story come on out man because yeah. it's a great a great place to go because everybody's listening man i and appreciate it it. You know, it only gets better when we yes. put our minds together yes. put our hands together you know if you don't be, if you don't want to be part of it just be cool but you know a majority Before, of majority of us all want to be part of it exactly you know? but before we get about it i need five of your, your top favorite uh recording artists because I know you're a musical person. Woo. So before we get out I'm of here, I need school, to get you. Oh, I know. And I'm an old school guy, too. So I had to know what was in Konishki's top five. What are you always listening to? What are you always kind of just got on at the house when you're just chilling? I need to go old school. I, I, I listen to a lot of like funk music. Yeah. And Funkadelic was one of my, that would be number five. Yeah. I learned that from my brother's, my oldest brother, Kasi. Yeah. He used to look at all this fun Funkadelic thing. <laughs> and Parliament then, funk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Like, you know, it's an, it's, you know, some of the, I grew up with, you know, like uh, Daz Band. Yeah. That should be another band. You got a Rogers. Yep. And then we know, uh, when, I, when I need to cool down, I listen to a lot of some wind music. Yes. And then the one person that I always go to get myself reset is uh, Luther Vandross. Shout out Luther, man. Big Luther or Skinny Luther? Both Luther. Yeah. It doesn't matter. He sounds the same to me. You know, and but you know that every time you need to relax, man, that's yeah. he, he had the music to kinda of calm you down and stuff. But it's funny, when I used to go to sumo on my before every match, I always played I have the tiger in my car. <laughs> Why not? I had a tiger was the one. And if you got a match going on, that's <laughs> all my Japanese drivers are like, oh freaking out, this guy's blasting his car. Yeah. <laughs> they must have been so sick of the song. I had a tiger is the one. That's 90 times a yeah. day, 90 times a year they're gonna hear that song going through the tournament. Like, oh God, it's Konishki again with his eye of the tiger. <laughs> yeah, man, got to, man, got to. Man, gotta get their mind cleared up, yes. man, you know. But I appreciate you, man, for coming Thank by. You for appreciate the me. time. Thank you for all the good work, man. Yes. Keep it going, man. Come on, man. Hey, keep up with Kunishki if you guys haven't already on Instagram and wherever you can find my man, because I'm telling you guys, a legend is in the building and a legend was talking with us today. And I appreciate everything you've done for the culture and everything you continue to do for the sport of sumo wrestling. Thank you for having me, man. With that said, it. that's Western Conference Podcast. We'll see you on the next one. Peace. Cheers.